Our scripture reading today is going to be in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 33. While you're turning there, I do want to make a few announcements for the youth. We did have our movie night last night, Uh, just watched an awful movie, Um, awful in in one of the best ways, I I, I guess you could say, Uh, not a dry eye in the house, except for Nicole's, but... (laughs) Uh, no, we had a really fun time, um, just a uh, really great time to be able to be with the youth uh, and, and just do something a little bit different. Um, and so we had a fantastic time, thanks to uh, the, the Zartmans, who, uh, both families, who helped out with dinner. So thank you very much for that. Um, but again, it was a fantastic time. I also want to let you know, as the youth will be meeting tonight at our normal time, even with the congregational meeting happening. So 6.15, we'll still be meeting here tonight. I uh, also want to let everybody know, or remind everybody, sign up for Camp Orchard Hill. Uh, the deadline for that's coming up. It's the end of this month on the 29th. So make sure you get registered for that. If you need some guidance on how to register, let us know. It's a, it's a new process this year. It's a little bit weird, but come let us know. We'll walk you through it. Uh, and we'll, we'll get everybody registered for that. Um, if you would like to help send our youth to camp, it is a $60 a person um, price to be able to go to Camp Orchard Hill this year. Let us, uh, you can put that right in your, your normal uh, offerings, just right in the normal offering box. Just write youth either on the check or on the envelope, and we would greatly appreciate that as well. Um, thank you for any gift that you are willing to and able to uh, donate to that. And lastly, the young adults this week, we are going bowling uh, up to, forget what the place is called, Best Alley, Best Alley, Best Bowling, something like that. It's in Ceilings Grove. Uh, I'll contact you guys this week as well. I'm thinking we'll, we'll probably meet here and save everybody some gas and we'll take the van up. That'll be a lot of fun. We'll relive our youth days taking the youth van or whatever be a lot of fun. Uh, So anyhow, we are in book of Exodus chapter 33. We'll be reading verses 12 to 23. One day Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me I know you by name and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so that so I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. And, and remember that this nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Then Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me, on me and on your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked, for I look favorably on you, and I know you by name. Moses responded, Then show me your glorious presence. The Lord replied, I will make all of my goodness pass before you, and I will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continued, Look, stand near me on this rock. 
At my glorious as my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for this day you've given us, for this church building, for this church family, Lord. We thank you for every blessing that you have bestowed on us because we know that everything good does come from you, and we thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the generosity of, of those in this church um, made evident by the pile of boxes sitting in front of me, Lord. It is a fantastic ministry, and we, we praise you for everything that transpires from it. Uh, every soul won for you, every heart changed. Lord, we thank you and praise you for these. Lord, we ask that this service today would be a blessing to everyone who hears, uh, whether they be in another room or even at home, Lord. We thank you for them, and we ask that you would just be with them today, uh, be with them this week. Uh, Lord, cover us as we, we go through uh, this whole week, Lord, whatever we come uh, come against. I ask that you would just be uh, a part of each and every one of our lives this week in a very, very evident way. Lord, bless the rest of this service. Uh, bless Pastor Doug as he comes and preaches your word to us. Uh, help us to apply it to our lives. Help it to change our hearts. Help it to change our lives, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. We began this series by opening up to Ezekiel 37. And it was there that God took Ezekiel and had him look at a valley that was full of dry, dead bones. And God told Ezekiel how to remedy it. He first said to command to the bones to be brought together. And it says in Ezekiel 37 that Ezekiel heard bones going back together. They were connected with sinews, they were connected with muscle and flesh, and they began to stand, but there was one thing that was missing, is life. Then God told Ezekiel to command the wind to speak, and he said, draw on it from the four corners of the world that they would breathe life into these bones. And then God said, and I will be with them. And I'll do all of this so that they will know that I am the Lord, their God. The question still arises, is we, not, we may not be a valley full of dry bones, but there are times when we sense a dryness in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And how is it that we get beyond that? How is it that we... Renew, if you will, that freshness of when you think back of when you first came to know and to understand the gospel, how life seemed to be so grand. Mine was an experience at a Jack Van Impey crusade, and there it was that I was introduced to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't know if I was amazed that Jack Van Impey could play the accordion. 
or that his wife could do artwork. I, I don't know if that was the situation, but I did know the gospel. I heard it. And that was an amazing ride home from Utica, New York to Mohawk, New York. None of you know where that is other than maybe some over here. But there have been times that, I'll confess to you, that that freshness and that newness, that excitement became more of a doldrum than a dynamic. Things have happened, and that's the way life is. There are seasons of dryness, there are seasons of disappointments, and there are seasons of drastic change. And so as... God spoke to Ezekiel to bring about life in those dry bones. He shares with us again this morning of another occasion whereby there was deadness in the nation of Israel. The context of Exodus chapter 33 is really begins way back in, in chapter 24. That's where Moses, it says, the closing verse of that chapter says that Moses goes to the mount of top of the mountain of Mount Sinai, and he's there for 40 days and 40 nights. And while he is there, he's getting information from God in order to transpose that to the nation of Israel. But while he is up there, we get to chapter 32. He was in the presence of divine, but the people were in the presence of destruction. They could look up and see the top of Mount Sinai being covered with smoke and the lightning and the flashes, but they were more interested in seeing a false god. They coerced Aaron to build a to fashion for them a God that they said that they would follow. They were afraid that Moses wasn't coming back down. And so they decided to take things in their own hands, and as they did, Moses is coming down. All of a sudden, things began to change. In that context, we find ourselves in chapter... 33. House has been cleaned up a little bit. Moses says, if you're with me, he draws a line in the sand. He says, if you're with me, get on this side of the land. And it says all the Levites came over with Moses. And then he put a charge to them to take care of the business of those who weren't with him. It says 3,000 people lost their lives that day. And so now Moses is in a predicament. Chapter 33 begins by God telling Moses to leave this place. we got another place for you to go. Leave here. But what we miss, if we don't catch it quickly, as chapter 33, beginning at verse 7 and down to verse 11, is sort of a parenthetical situation that Moses writes concerning himself and his relationship with God. 
it says that Moses took his tent and he took it way out from among the other people and he set it up for a place that he and God could meet. In fact, Moses, he says, I call it the place of meeting, the tabernacle of meeting. The text tells us that as Moses would go there, all the other people of Israel would come to the entrances of their tent and they would watch to see what was happening. And they realized that Moses was going to go to talk with God, spend time with God, to get information from God. And it says in the text that as Moses went and had his meeting with God, the children of Israel began to worship. And that brings us to a highlight of what is happening in in verse 12. In verse 12, in the passage that Pastor Steve read for you, we see intimately that Moses is talking to God. It's one of these conversations that he's having. In, verse, in Exodus 33, beginning at verse 12, it says, And Moses said to God. It's a conversation. And we know as believer people that conversations with God are encompassed in one word, prayer. Prayer. The Apostle Paul highlights that for us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 where he says, pray without ceasing. How do we do that? Pray without ceasing. If I was to give you a, an assignment, if you were my class, I would probably give you a Uh, a legal pad of paper and ask you to begin writing the things that you know about Moses. What would be some of those things? No, he was floated down the river as a baby, okay. He was adopted into Pharaoh's family, okay. Was trained and was educated far above that anyone else could be, okay. Oh, he was a great leader. Very good. Got that. Oh, he met God at a burning bush. I hope you would never forget that. But what we overlook very quickly is this. It describes for us in Exodus 33 that Moses was a friend of God. I I can't think of a better description of an individual than one who was highlighted as being a friend of God. So friendly was that situation that it says that God spoke to him face to face. Can you imagine that? Being in that close of a relationship with God that as you speak to God, He speaks to you. In this situation, it was audibly. It wasn't like someone coming into the church and saying, God told me to do this. I remember 
a number of years ago. Uh, Johnny Erickson Tata was approached by a, a, a young man, some years younger than herself. And he came up to her and he was crying and weeping. And, and Johnny said to him, what is it? What, what is it you need to say? He said, well, he said, God told me that I'm supposed to come to you and tell you that I'm supposed to marry you. And she said, well, I really didn't think I was that bad. And of course, you missed that. He was crying, weeping. Okay, you'll get it sooner or later. Let me know when you do. By, oh, yeah, okay. It's just like the bear, hunting bear. Okay, yeah, okay, fine. I don't think God speaks to us audibly anymore. If he did... Um, we would probably pass out. In fact, absent from the body, we'll be present with him. But I am here to tell you that God does speak. He speaks to us from his word. This morning I want to share with you how it is that our dry bones can be brought back to life through prayer. Through prayer. Moses was a man of prayer. You would be too if you had about two, two million people to lead. In fact, it would be a good idea if some of our governors and mayors of cities and, uh, and of states would view the self that maybe they ought to spend a little bit more time praying than dictating. You're all silent on that one too. But Moses was a man of prayer. What's interesting, though, is that as Moses spoke, there were three important ingredients in his prayer. What, God, what Moses prayed for in verse 13 is that he, Moses prayed for illumination. Illumination, it... Moses says, Now therefore I pray, if I found grace or favor in your sight, show me your way. Show me your way. Illumination is simply defined as bringing to light that which is dark. It's best illustrated by you getting up first thing in the morning and the sun has not yet come to the horizon and you need to flip a switch in order to see where you're going so you don't stub your toe. You turn the light switch on and it illuminates the room. Moses is asking God to bring to light that which he does not yet know. He's saying to God, I've heard what you're telling us to do, but I don't know how you're going to do it. In verse chapter 33, in verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, We're moving. 
depart from this place. God told Moses that I'm going to send you to the land that dwells with milk and honey. I'm going to drive out from your presence all the ites. Parasites, Hittites, all of the ites. I'm going to drive out. Just go. And Moses asked the questions, who's going with me? Remember, God is not happy with Israel right now. As chapter 32 closes, God says to Moses, I will plague the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron made. God is not happy. And Moses doesn't know how many is going to go with him. Remember, up to this point, 3,000 have already lost their lives because of the choices they've made. And so Moses is asking for illumination. Who's going with me? How is it going to be done? Have you ever found yourself praying to God like that? How is this going to work? I've got no clue as God is what you're saying. We found that often true in our family experience, moving from Lancaster, Pennsylvania to Portland, Oregon. We had no idea what would await us. And when you arrive in the outskirts of Chicago at 5 o'clock in the afternoon, you begin to ask yourself the question, what in the world am I doing here? When you're facing about eight lanes of traffic, all groping for the same pay booth that you need to be in, how are we going to get from this lane all the way over to there? I know where you're taking this, God, but I don't know how it's going to work out. But what made Moses assured is remember his relationship with God. For God told him, Moses... I'm going with you. I'll be there. And yes, I'll bring the people too. Sometimes God lets us know that dynamically. Other times, God in His Word hides it a little bit. Because what He wants us to do is to trust Him more. Sometimes unanswered prayer hinges upon the fact of what is it that God wants to teach us? How is it that He's going to work this out? There just happened to be that day in Chicago. Had to be about 100 degrees. We had a van that had no air conditioning, only roll-down windows. 
But there was a tractor trailer that was there who saw our dilemma. And what he started to do was he started to turn his rig at an angle. And he blocked seven lanes of traffic for us. Even simple payoff booths will remind you that God has illuminated His power. We say it too often maybe and don't really fully understand the full context of it, but in Hebrews chapter 13, God reminds us that I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. There may seem some days that we wonder if He's holding up His end of the bargain, but in reality, there are greater things yet ahead that we're not even aware of, even if it is a tractor-trailer in the traffic of Chicago. What we're trying to get to you is this, is that if your prayer life is dry, maybe you're asking the wrong things. Moses was asking for illumination. Moses' prayer, if you've recognized it, is not very flowery. He doesn't focus on the grandness of God as he does in other passages, and that's all good. When Paul wrote for us in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he's reminding us that it is a continuous situation. Too often we look at prayer as a one and done in the day. And I'm here to tell you this morning that your prayers at breakfast this morning, they're not going to sustain you for the rest of the day. It's a continuous type of praying. How do you do that? Simply as, God, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. I need you to help me and to guide me. Or God, I didn't see that state police officer. I didn't really intend going 20 miles over the speed limit. God, things just aren't working out the way I thought. What am I supposed to do? It's those instant prayers at that time when you find out that how your relationship with God is. If it's that much alive, conversation will be great. Other than Sunday mornings and maybe in my office at times, you may think I do a lot of talking, but I really don't. I'm not into a lot of conversation. They say that ladies, when they get together around the table, probably within 15 minutes, they know everything about everybody's family. Guys, we get together, we grunt. And we know what we're talking about. How you doing? Hmm. Good. Going hunting? Yeah. Got it. 
I'm not a big conversationalist. I love to read. I love to be informed, but when it comes right down, when my wife asks me what's wrong, I grunt. Mm, nothing. I'm not very good at it. I'm learning. Because my wife is an antagonist. She doesn't let that grunt be the last word. She pries. What's wrong? Nothing. Are you sure? Yes. What's the matter? Nothing. Now there is something to matter. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm getting better at it. We have intimate conversations that we need to have concerning family and life. And what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? That's what Moses was doing with God. He was that intimate with God. A friend that he could talk to God about anything at any place and any time. He wanted illumination. God, show me. The second thing Moses' prayer was in verse 15 to 16 is Moses prayed for association. Moses reminded God of something that God never forgot. Do you often do that? God, provide for my needs. Go to Matthew chapter 6. For he provides all of our needs. He gives illustrations. Flowers, birds, foxes. If he takes care of them, he'll take care of you. It's not that God doesn't want us to ask. But sometimes we like to remind God of those things he already knows. Moses said to God, the thing that separates us, God, is this. Is that if you're with me and with your people, nobody else like that in the whole world. I want you, God, to be with us. And that's what he says. Lord, be with us. If ever I think we need that to be reminded of in Scripture, it would be today. I and my wife, we, we pray for you as a congregation. And we do say, Lord, be with them. If ever we need the Lord to be with us, it's today. And what makes that so glorious and so different is that it's a relationship that the whole world doesn't have. But we do. And never take that for granted. Moses said, I can just envision what, how he says it, if you ain't going, I ain't going. Because without you, Jesus said, without him, we can do nothing. It's simply this, that until you know 
that God is all you have. Until you know that, you will never know that God is all you need. Moses knew that he needed to have God go with them to lead the way, to be with them. So intimate was Moses with God that he says, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. Because it's going to fall flat. And the last one is this. Moses' prayer for manifestation. I got to keep with the ends, you know, the shuns on the end. Illumination, association, manifestations, because Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. Moses literally was saying, God, I want to see everything that is you. And, and we're so quick to know and understand from a theological position of who God is. He's omnipotent. He's all power. He can do anything. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He's here as well as over there. And all of those describe his characteristics, but when you talk about his glory, that means you want to see it all. Manifested in such a way that you never forget it. All of us have had those kinds of times where God's glory has been so prevalent. Sometimes you catch it in a sunrise or in a sunset. Sometimes you catch it as a 12-point buck runs in front of your, your, your stand and your gun locks. And you still say, that's magnificent. Sometimes the glory of the Lord is that evident that we see it in His artistry work on the hillsides during the fall seasons. Sometimes God's glory is so dramatic that in the midst of a snowstorm, we can say hallelujah. Moses wanted to see it all. And God said, okay, I'll show you part of me. Because you can't see it all. If you saw it all, you'd be dead. So he tucked Moses away in a, in a rock, a cleft of a rock that shadows a dry, thirsty land. That's where that song came from, by the way. I just want to let you know. And he hid him there, and then as he went by, he, he whistled. Now turn around. And Moses got to see his back. But it wasn't until about 1,500 years later that Moses saw it all. Because in Matthew chapter 17, 
In verse 2, Jesus takes James, Peter, and John, and they go up on a mountain. And it's there that Jesus' glory of heaven comes upon them. And Moses and Elijah. Sometimes you only get to see part of God's glory. But I'm here to tell you, dear people, the best is yet to come. Intimacy with God. That's what brings about a freshness, a newness. That's what brings about life. And it doesn't matter what is happening around you. God will show you. God will be with you. And then God will display His power. That's what brings life to dead bones. To God be the glory. Let's pray. Father, we can praise You for the times, the seasons in which we have intimately cried out to You. And You're there. It may not have worked out the way that we wanted to, but and it may take a little bit longer for us to see Your glory, but God, it's there. There may be some here this morning who are struggling, wondering if there's any hope, wondering if there's any answer to life. And yet all God wants you to do is ask. God, illuminate. Show me the way. God, come with me. And then let us see Your glory. Lord, I pray that if we're here this morning, some of us are dry bones, that we would be filled with your presence and come alive. All for your honor and for your glory. I pray these things. Amen.